Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today we've got uh, a lot of good things planned f- just for you. We've got Rob Louie coming up in just a minute, and then after Rob, Dr. Alex McFarlane is going to join me. We're going to continue our series on uh, famous dead theologians, which has been really a great study. And then Jeff Redorn's going to come in, and we're going to talk about being an ambassador for Christ. So that's the day. I can't wait for the day and to spend this time with you and a few... Our new to faith radio. Thank you for tuning in. Love having you. Rob Louie is the executive editor at the Daily Signal, and he is uh, joining me uh, today. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be back. With yeah, you. thanks. I, I, you know, you're here like every other week through the summer, and then we'll probably get you back more full time. But uh, Doug Blair does a nice job, and I like like having him on too. Yeah, well, you know, we have a great team at the Daily Signal, and. One of the reasons that we created the Daily Signal way back in 2014 was we felt that there was a void in the marketplace that we wanted to step in and fill, particularly because there was not coverage uh, among the legacy media outlets on some of the conservative or Christian issues that we care about. And secondly, we felt that uh, even when it comes to conservative media outlets, uh, there wasn't that focus on the policy issues. Well, what's really happening in Washington, D.C. and their st- and people's state capitals uh, to bring them up to speed and keep them informed? And so that's our mission every day, Bill, and uh, uh, we strive to do our best. I appreciate it. And I know you are working for a conservative think tank, and there's a lot of listeners who, who are conservative as well, and there's other listeners that are not so conservative. And what I love about Rob Bluey is you're always offering a nice, balanced approach. I, I, I think you always let people come to their own conclusions but I love that you're representing uh, information about what's going on in our country as clearly and uh, factually as possible. So I know when it comes to anything of a a political nature, there's going to be a potential firestorm because that's just the way we are. Well, and that speaks to the the moment we live in in our country. And I think that uh, it's it's a struggle. I, I will say I was actually reflecting on this, Bill, because I think as we've talked about in the past, my kids are are pretty active in, in sports. And, you know, we are in the midst of swim season right now and we're getting ready to start, you know, tennis matches. And it, it, particularly with swim, you know, we, we come into contact with, with different neighborhoods or, around uh, the no- northern Virginia area. And it's so refreshing, actually, to be out there with your neighbors and, and to be a, a, away from a, an intense political situation where you're just cheering for the kids uh, people are getting along. They're cooperating uh, in in a very you know much a civil society type of setting, and so uh, all hope is not lost. Uh, despite what you may uh, think about the conversations that take place on Twitter or on the nightly news, uh, there is still good things uh, happening in our country uh, each and every day. And hopefully, Bill, uh, we're going to get some good news here from the U.S. Supreme Court within the next couple of weeks, maybe even as early as Thursday when they handed down uh, some decisions. In fact, we had a great decision uh, come out today with regard uh, to, to education and, and giving parents the, 
the freedom that uh, that they need. Uh, this, uh, the court ruled uh, six to three that states cannot discriminate against parents and students who want to practice their religion uh, through the choice of their K through 12 schools. So, you know, that's what I mean. Uh, people can get really down on things, but at the end of the day, I think things are hopefully moving in the right direction. Well, Rob, seeing how we're talking about Supreme Court, let's go to the Dobbs case. And I know there might be something as early as Thursday. I actually thought maybe even today it would show up. That's right. So the, the court has a number of decisions left. Uh, typically, they keep their biggest case for the last day. And uh, I think that some of us were hoping, uh, praying even, that the court uh, released the Dobbs decision, given that the draft leaked uh, unpre- an unprecedented leak mm-hmm. uh, in, in May. And uh, and instead, uh, it appears that uh, the court is not going to do that. They've issued several rulings now uh, over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, and Dobbs is not among them. Now, this could drag out until the end of June. It could be June 30th, could even be July 1st. I don't expect it'll go beyond the July 4th holiday. But in the meantime, we're left guessing. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation that maybe Chief Justice John Roberts, whose name was apparently not on the draft opinion, uh, there were five justices on there, five conservative justices, uh, that he may be trying to find some sort of a middle way, as, as people have described it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that there's a middle way when it comes to the issue of life. And as uh, as you and I know, Bill, uh, those of us who, who believe in life and are, are strongly opposed to, to the practice of abortion, uh, think that this is a time for the court to speak definitively about Roe v. Wade, a decision that even critics on the left has said was wrongly decided and invented rights that don't exist in the Constitution. And so this case uh, really will return uh, the issue of life back to uh, legislators uh, where it should be. It should be in the hands of the people, not unelected judges. I know there's a lot of people that after hearing about the leak have probably come to the conclusion that they feel in their heart it's going to be overturned. And we don't have a decision yet. We do not have a decision yet, and I, I think that the recent reporting that Chief Justice John Roberts is trying to persuade a judge to maybe take a slightly different tact uh, is not um, not the news that we as as pro-lifers wanted to hear. I think we were hopeful that, that obviously the best case scenario would be that Chief Justice John Roberts would join the other five justices and uh, make it a six to three decision. Uh, that uh, is not necessarily the route that he's taken on some other high-profile cases. Obamacare comes to mind, where he had a, you know, what I would consider a tortured logic to get to the conclusion that he did to preserve Obamacare. And uh, there have been a few other uh, high-profile cases where he has not necessarily taken the conservative line of thinking. And so uh, we, we do know about the draft opinion, as the Justice Samuel Alito wrote it. It is a well-reasoned opinion. It is, it is strong. Uh, set aside what you think about the leak, uh, the draft itself uh, w- was outstanding. And uh, and that's why whether mm-hmm. it comes down this week or whether we have to wait until next week, uh, within, I would say, the next 10 days, we will know what that case, uh, how it was ultimately decided and and what the next steps are. Because, Bill, we can't forget about this. We, we can momentarily celebrate uh, the victory for life, but the hard work really starts on the next day when the battle takes up uh, in our state legislator legislatures. And I suspect that there will be individuals at the federal level who will try to, try to pursue pro-life policies as well, whether that be a heartbeat mill at the federal level or something else. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com. It's a conservative website where it has conservative-leaning news. And if you have a question for Rob, you don't have to put your hand up. 
because uh, I, I can't uh, call on you because I'm on the radio, of course, but you can text the question over. And you can text it to 877-933-2484, and I'll ask the question on your behalf. Again, 877-933-2484. Rob, we're not going to get away from inflation and the economy anytime soon. That is going to be the loudest barking dog in the neighborhood. That's right. We got some more depressing numbers last week. Uh, it unfortunately seems to be getting worse, Bill. And uh, and I think you and I have been talking about the likelihood of that happening as, as we talk to economists and other people who are experiencing this firsthand. We know uh, that it is not easy for, for Americans. Uh, my wife said uh, she filled up the van today and it was, I think, close to $90. And, that's at, and, and, and the price has actually dropped in our area to below $5 mm. now. So it, even though it was up over 5 uh, it's back down below, uh, albeit just slightly, and uh, it's um, it, it's tough. I mean, there are a lot of Americans who who are are, are paying the you know the, the the feeling the effects of of what President Biden here has uh, unfortunately I think dismissed as uh, in in ways that I do not think comport with common sense. Uh, for instance, last week he was out there saying trying to poo poo the. Uh, criticism that more government spending is leading to inflation. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's a combination of of this expansive uh, government spending, $6 trillion uh, in the last couple of years alone, fueled in part, not just by this administration, but the previous administration as well. And secondly, uh, the Federal Reserve's policies. I, I think that they are, uh, you know, not just... Uh, you know, out of control in terms of what they're what they're trying to do, but uh, but probably slow and, and late to recognize what has happened. I mean, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, admitted as much uh, that it's not just transitory; it is actually a real thing. And Bill, the thing that uh, worries me most is that this is going to continue probably for the next several months, if not into next year, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to feel the effects at the grocery store because food prices are going to be higher. You can better believe. That the, the price of gas this summer is going to stay high because we're not seeing any effort on the part of this administration to increasing the uh, the supply of, of gasoline or oil, and uh, and finally, I think what Americans are really going to to see is um, probably a slowdown in, in home buying. Uh, the mortgage interest rate is is has doubled uh, in the in the past year. It's now I think close to six percent, if not over. And uh, and those are going to have big implications for the economy, and we could be looking at a situation like we did in the late 1970s, and maybe that bodes well for Republicans and their political fortunes, but uh, I think the American people are going to want solutions regardless of who's in Congress or who's leading their state uh, legislatures. Uh, they want the uh, their elected representatives to figure out what are the policies we can put in place to get us back on the right economic track. Rob, I think a lot of people have a hard time doing long-range thinking when on the short term, they're not certain what they have to give up to feed their family. Yeah, that's well, it, it is it is a hard choice. And uh, I think some people will have to give up probably their summer vacation. They're probably not taking some of those weekend trips uh, that that money. We, we heard about so many Americans, you know, saving money during the pandemic. I mean, they're probably having to tap into their savings account, uh, maybe even their 401k to to pay for some big projects that they, they may want to uh, get done. And everything is, is more costly, Bill. I mean, it's not, it's not just the things that we've talked about here, but I mean, you could go down the list. I mean, lumber and construction materials uh, are, are, are more costly as well. And so, you know, it's just a slowdown across the board. And that doesn't bode well for, for our economy in the long run. And that's why I think 
the American people are, are giving Joe Biden such poor marks. I mean, he's down into the 30 percent approval. And it's not just Republicans and independents that are doing that. Uh, his numbers among Democrats are down uh, pretty big as well. And so I don't know how the president uh, manages to get out of this, but I, I do think that there will be electoral consequences yeah. in November. Rob Blue is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com to learn more about Rob and his staff. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with more. If you have a question for Rob, what's going on in our nation's capital, send the question over. Text it to me at 877-933-2484. Back to the show. Mr. Rob Bluey is my guest. He is the executive editor at the Daily Signal. And Rob, I'd like to chat about the January 6th commission. But before I get there, I would love to ask a couple of questions from listeners. Are people still in, in solitary confinement due to the January 6th incident? That uh, Well, I can't speak if they're still in solitary confinement specifically. I don't know that the, the, the public is privy to all those infor- that those details. But Julie Kelly, who I've interviewed for the Daily Signal podcast, would be the person for me to ask, and okay. I can maybe report back to you, Bill. Uh, but they are still being held. That that is for sure. Uh, there, there, there's no doubt about that. And uh, and I think that she and other individuals, um, in, including the producers of of a, a movie called Capital Punishment, who have tried to re- tell another story that you won't hear from the congressional hearings. Um, have tried to to showcase some of those stories because, frankly, they are in some ways forgotten mm-hmm. Americans who are still uh, suffering the consequences, and in in some of those cases, Bill, uh, unfairly, and in, in in my perspective, I mean, I I think what happened on January sixth was was terrible, and uh, and and I think that there were some people who unfortunately got caught up in in the wave of what what happened. Uh, some people who didn't even enter the Capitol who uh, who are, are are being punished, and so. We should hear those stories as well. Unfortunately, uh, what's taking place with Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney and the January 6th committee in Congress, I think, has decided that it, there's a certain narrative that they want to tell, and that's particularly focused on President Trump and, and his role. And that is what uh, what they're going to focus on, uh, mm. not necessarily the law enforcement failures or, or why the Capitol Police didn't uh, have the resources it needed in advance of uh, January 6th. Uh, those are some of the questions that I think we, we deserve answers to, and we just haven't heard yet. Mm-hmm. Sue would like to know, do you have any idea what the dollar amount or cost of the January 6th investigation has cost the American people? Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'm trying to think back if I, if I recall off the top of my head, but certainly in the, in the millions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, we had done a, a little bit of a, a back of the envelope uh, calculation on another uh, congressional investigation that that ran uh, well into you know uh, several million dollars. Uh, this one, um, I, these are great questions, Bill. I, you know what? I mean, I love doing the follow up. So let me see what information nice. I can gather, and it, 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 and maybe it'll even generate a, a standalone Daily Signal story, and not just a response on your show. Nice, nice. All right, let's chat chat about Title Nine and women's sports. 
Well, yes. So uh, Thursday marks the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And uh, I know that there are some people who like and dislike Title IX uh, from, from the moment it was uh, initiated 50 years ago. But uh, what we're dealing with today is, frankly, an effort on the part of the Biden administration to radically change Title IX. And uh, I was uh, fortunate to have Betsy DeVos, the former education secretary on the Daily Signal podcast today, and she talked about how she expects on Thursday the Biden administration to make a change to the Title IX rule, which would essentially allow biological men to compete in women's sports. And so just, I should have backed up, Title IX uh, was supposed to, uh, the, the, the end goal of Title IX was to give women an equal opportunity uh, to men. Um, and at the time, uh, 50 years ago, obviously men had you know significantly more uh, opportunities when it came to sports. And so in many cases, Title IX should be celebrated uh, for, for leveling the playing field. Uh, but now we have a situation where those on the far left uh, want to uh, pursue uh, an ideological agenda uh, when it comes to individuals' uh, sex or gender. And this is uh, deeply concerning because there are a lot of women out there, including some feminists who don't agree with any of the policies that, uh, that the conservatives would traditionally support, who are speaking out and concerned about what this change will mean, uh, particularly since we've already seen it come to, to be in, in certain sports like swimming and Leah Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania, a biological male who's competing against females and, and performing quite well. So uh, we'll be keeping our eyes uh, just two days from now, Bill, on, on what the Biden administration actually does with this rule. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, it's coming on a day when uh, there are probably many other things that we could be, be talking about and, and maybe even celebrating when it comes to, to, to women, but uh, they're going to take us in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Over at dailysignal.com, if you head over there, interesting article by Katrina Trinko on what it is like to be on a puberty blocker. She had a chance to interview Gloria Taylor. Would you tell our listeners about that? Sure. Well, Gloria is a colleague of mine, and she is somebody who at a young age in her 20s is uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so one of, fortunately, um, she's, she's you know, doing very well today uh, for your listeners uh, who, who might be concerned. Uh, still would, I'm sure, appreciate uh, all of your prayers. And uh, Gloria, in her treatment, was given one of these puberty blockers. I think it's Lupron, if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it correctly. And it was um, really difficult uh, for her. Uh, the the uh, side effects and, uh, and and what she experienced. Um, so she talked about this, and she actually has a forthcoming piece in which she writes about this, and basically wanted to inform and educate parents who might be thinking about taking this action for children who are are you know maybe as young as. 13 or, 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 or younger bill um, and giving them some of these drugs, which could be life altering. Uh, and so puberty blockers, obviously, uh, for a medical purpose, in, in Gloria's case, were, were used to, to help combat her, her breast cancer. But in this case, um, you know, obviously, when it comes to individuals who are struggling with, with these questions about their own sexuality, uh, you know, there are, there are, it, it's one thing, I think, for a uh, fully grown adult, uh, maybe to uh, to make decisions. But if you're a child and you're you're being put on puberty blockers or other cross sex hormones, uh, the the consequences are significant. And so she just wanted people to be aware of some of the side effects uh, if they've not uh, had an opportunity to maybe read the literature or understand what uh, what could happen. 
they're incredibly serious drugs, and they're, the complications and the side effects are amazing, which they really don't talk about. Right. That, that, that's, that's very true. And, uh, and, and some, sometimes, I mean, it, it is just, you know, I, I mean, for anybody who, who has, you know, gone through surgery or maybe, uh, is a cancer patient themselves, I mean, there are so many different side effects, obviously, that you, you experience. And I think Gloria's point is for somebody to voluntarily, uh, take some of these drugs, uh, for, for a condition that, uh, you know, they may grow out of and, and regret years later, uh, is, is a big decision. And we know from talking to individuals that, uh, the way they feel maybe, uh, at age 16 is quite different from how they will feel in the future. And I think that, the, you know, the other thing that we have to consider here, Bill, is, I've, I've talked to people recently who are concerned that their school districts may be directing them, you know, down this path or certainly social media and the messages they hear there are, are implying that this is uh, what they should do. And this is where I really encourage parents to really step up and, uh, and have a conversation and seek out the truth and, and why it's so disturbing that just recently, uh, last week, the Biden administration took executive action uh, to try to block some things like, well, Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis' bill in Florida, which prevented the teaching of this uh, in if, among students kindergarten through third grade. Mm-hmm. Why students in kindergarten through third grade should be hearing anything about this from their schools uh, is, is just mind-boggling. Uh, these conversations belong at home with parents. And I really think that it's inappropriate for, for teachers of any level, frankly, not just K through three, uh, to be having these discussions with students. Yeah. Other question, Rob, that came in is where does do no harm come in? Yeah, well, <laughs> right. Yeah, that that, that uh, right. From the, the, the medical uh, oath. Uh, right. right. Um, and that's Bill. I think the thing that I, I struggle with the most is doctors today that are trying to have these conversations, logical conversations that that I think you and I would would accept, um, you know, probably and most people would accept throughout most of history are now being in some cases punished uh, because they are not going along with somebody's wishes. And mm-hmm. uh, that is that is deeply disturbing. I think we need to be in a situation and return to a situation where uh, we're in some cases just using common sense here. And when it comes to young people in particular, Again, these are these are individuals who are making life altering decisions that they cannot go back on. I mean, if you if you basically want to sterilize yourself at a young age and then later on you yeah. regret that and want to have kids, I mean, uh, who's to blame for that? And talk about doing no harm. I mean, I would much rather err on the side of of, of not taking some of those medications and and going through those treatments uh, than being in a situation later on where where you regret it. And Bill, one final point on this: um, my colleague Jay Green who would be an outstanding guest for for your show, has just completed some remarkable research, which actually debunks some of the left's criticism. They say, well, if you don't go through with this, students are more likely, kids are more likely to commit suicide. Jay finds the exact opposite is true. Feeding them more information about this actually increases the likelihood, uh, sadly, of Mm -hmm. them uh, committing suicide. And Jay could talk about it in much greater detail than I can, but... um, but certainly something for, for your listeners to take a look yeah, at. Yeah, love to have them on. Rob, thanks so much for spending time with me today, and I'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks, Bill. Good you to bet. talk to you. Yep. Rob Louie's been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com. When we come back, Dr. Alex McFarland will be joining me once again as we continue to talk about theologians from the past and their incredible wisdom. Be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. If I want wisdom from a present theologian, I'll call Alex McFarlane and he'll join me on the show. And, and wouldn't you know, he's with me today. Dr. Alex McFarlane is is a uh, an author, a teacher, a seminar uh, leader. He, he, he writes, he teaches, he leads people to Christ and nurtures them in their, uh, in their walk with the Lord. Always glad to have him on. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. It's good to be on. And uh, you're always too kind in those introductions, but thank well, you. Well, I mean them every time. And the last several, a couple of months, we've been talking about the wisdom of theologians that have gone on to be with the Lord. And I have uh, really enjoyed this. I know listeners have too. So I thought I want to continue because there's still a number of them I would love to talk about. And this one, um, this one died in 2011. So who would it be? Hmm. Well, let me think here. Um, 2011. Was it, uh, was it? John Stott. Yep. <laughs> was it really? I, well, of course. I said to Rosie, I, I will not fool Alex. And w- well, once again, I haven't. You know, there there have been a number of just seminal, you know, epic thinkers um, in recent years. I mean, I don't know all the dates, but I know, um, for instance, R.C. Sproul, mm-hmm. that um, many listened to for years on the radio, just one of the most brilliant people ever. It was my privilege a couple of years ago at the National Religious Broadcasters, and uh, NRB is this convention that many of us go to, and I'm sure, Bill, yourself and your staff probably go to NRB, but mm-hmm, they do. Um, R.C. Sproul was there, and he had oxygen, and, you know, he looked really feeble, uh, but he gave like an hour-plus lecture on the Reformation and Martin Luther and John Calvin and, you know, how we're all indebted to the Reformers, and it was riveting. I mean, it, and to my knowledge, it was the last time R.C. Sproul ever spoke well. in public. Uh, because just days later he passed away, but made church history come alive. And, you know, the reason I say that, and we we can talk about, you know, uh, John Stott and uh, J.I. Packer and so many of the ones from our own lifetime, um, church history and good theology is, is riveting and it's empowering. And that's why I want to encourage everybody listening, you know, if you're if you're a part of a church or if you're teaching Sunday school or maybe if you're a pastor, teach the great doctrines that, you know, Jesus is deity, the Son of God, and the atonement, and he paid for our sins on the cross. Because truth, Bill, I think truth, especially biblical truth, is very empowering and uplifting, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, Alex. Yep. And um, John Stott wrote over 50 books and one of them is Basic Christianity. It's a, a book which ex, uh, explains the message of Christianity and does a really nice job of, of convincing its readers of its truth and its importance. And it's a paperback book I've had in my library forever. Um, but I'd love love to get to some of John's uh, quotes, and I'll let you respond, Alex, if you don't mind. Wow. And just coming off of the last half hour, we talked about a little bit about what's going on in the world and what's wrong with the world. I thought I'd lead off with this. John Stott said, we should not ask what is wrong with the world, for that diagnosis has already been given. Rather, we should ask, what has happened to salt and light? Oh, wow, that's convicting. <laughs> 
Uh, and I'm assuming what he meant by that, you know, we know what's wrong with the world. It's the fall and it's sin. But the the salt and light, that's what the church is supposed to be, isn't it? Yep, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. And uh, if the salt loses its saltiness, you know, what good is it? It's not worth really any anything. So um, I, I know you've heard preachers, you know, preach on this. This is not original with me, but salt um, makes people thirsty, you know, and the water of life is what we are to carry around the world, the the message of Jesus, and light drives out darkness. And, you know, it's interesting. I was on the radio earlier today, uh, Bill, with a guy named Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who for years was the kind of theologian in residence with D. James Kennedy Ministries. Mm -hmm. Of course, Dr. Kennedy has gone on to be with the Lord. But um, we were talking about the fact that wherever Christendom goes, there is the betterment of the human condition, literacy, medicine, hygiene, cleanliness, morality, civility, you know, lawfulness. And uh, we are the salt and light. I mean, really, uh, we're to take that saving message of the gospel. Salt is medicinal, and light drives out darkness. And so to the John Stott quote, uh, what has happened to salt and light, um, I would say, as I understand the Scripture, um, when the church isn't doing its job, there's a great void left, isn't there? Mm, there sure is. Yep. Alex, there's another John Stock quote I like. He said, Our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by truth, and our truth grows hard if it is not softened by love. Well, um, re- read that again. Yeah. Love grows soft. Our love grows soft if it's not strengthened by truth, and our truth grows hard if it is not softened by love. Wow. You, you, you remember the Bible says Jesus came uh, with grace and truth. Okay, I, I think about the church, because right now, you know, uh, it's no secret, the world, not only America, the world is embroiled in struggles over some very key basic truths r- relative to being a human being, gender, male and female, mm-hmm. marriage, family, sexuality. Okay, there there are churches and denominations that are just uh, all about love and no truth whatsoever. Just they think they're being compassionate, but they're really not helping people by helping them understand sin and the way of salvation. On the other hand, there there are legalistic churches that are all truth and no grace whatsoever. And, uh, Bill, I, I used to say this because I, I know both sides of the coin. I grew up in a church that was liberal in the 70s and 80s. Then I found the Lord when I was in college, I've often said this, um, liberalism is is love at the expense of truth, but legalism is truth at the expense of love, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we need both, and, and only the Lord can help us, you know, maintain that balance or even find that balance, but um, love grows soft if not strengthened by truth, said yeah. Stott, that's really true, isn't that's it? That's so good, so good. Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest, and we're talking about Dr. John Stott, who passed away in 2011. But I had the chance to meet Dr. Stott uh, many, many years ago at All Souls Church in London one day. It was really a thrill. Oh, my word. Wow. That's great. You know, um, does this ring a bell? I know there in uh, Minneapolis, everybody knows of Billy Graham. 
Uh, do you remember Amsterdam 2000? This was like in late summer, August of the year 2000. Billy Graham convened a big conference in Amsterdam in the, the Netherlands. Do you remember that? I don't. It, it was really great. And um, Franklin Graham kind of was the, the MC because Billy Graham was not well and couldn't attend, although he did speak by video. And All right, there were, I don't know, 10,000 evangelists. Um, mostly, mostly men, but some women from 120 some nations. And we, for eight or nine days, we heard speakers. We went to seminars. We went out into the streets of Amsterdam, witnessing, sharing the gospel. But I heard, I got to sit in a class taught by Dr. Stott. I got to sit in a class taught by J.I. Packer, Bill Bright, Cliff Barrows was there, Chuck Colson, Josh McDowell. I mean, everybody you've ever all of the heroes, you know, were there, and many of them are on in heaven now. Um, Stephen Olford, O-L-F-O-R-D, Dr. Stephen Olford was there, and uh, it was just amazing. But you got to meet him. I got to sit in one of his classes. Uh, he was quite a thinker. And you mentioned the book Basic Christianity. I had forgotten about that book, but that's that's a classic every library should have. Would you agree? No, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Alex, here's another John Stock quote I like. The purpose of prayer is emphatically not to bend God's will to ours, but rather to align our will to his. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I remember I've seen bumper stickers that says prayer changes things. And I heard a preacher say prayer changes us. Uh, and, you know, I like that. Not What did you say? Not to bend God's will. Um you know, we don't we don't have to arm wrestle God, do we? No, <laughs> no. But I think um, really one of the most important things about prayer, and and maybe Doctor Stott was thinking of this, is that you know prayer humbles us because we acknowledge God is our source, and we need the Lord. I mean, we really do. And maybe in humbly opening ourselves up before the Lord, we begin to realize how we can trust him, and maybe some of the things that we beg God for, we need to take a second look at. And like, what did Scott say, align our will with his? He said, um, the purpose of prayer is emphatically not to bend God's will to ours, but rather to align our will to his. Well, Bill, have you ever had a prayer that was unanswered or maybe not answered in the way that you thought. And at the time, that was, you know, kind of hard. But in retrospect, looking back, you were so glad. Yeah, let me get out my list. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, yeah I, I can think of a couple. I I, I I shudder to think how my life would be different if some of the things that I had begged God for had mm -hmm. come to pass, mm -hmm. and they didn't. And I look back and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting me from my own misplaced desires. Yeah, so good. Here's another one. I like this one a lot too, Alex. Um, greatness in the kingdom of God is measured in terms of obedience. Well, you know, I think about Mark ten forty four. Jesus said, he who would be greatest among you would be the servant of all. And... Um, obedience is better than sacrifice that that is true isn't it mm -hmm. um 
you know, a convicting verse is Luke six forty six. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? That, I mean, when I read that verse, the Savior asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? I mean, I'm like speechless before that verse. <laughs> hmm All right, here's another one. Every time we look at the, at the cross, Christ seems to say to us, I'm here because of you. It is your sin I am bearing, your curse I am suffering, your debt I am paying, your death I am dying. Nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is profound. It is. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of like it reminds me of um, Spurgeon, really. And, you know, that... Hey, born-again Brits are a wonderful thing. You know, if you've ever listened to some of the, you know, not only Spurgeon, but of course C.S. Lewis, and, you know, in our own times, you know, people like um, uh, N.T. Wright. But um, the, 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 the Brits have a way of coining a phrase or, or turning a phrase that is so pithy, um, and it's true what Stott says, Jesus went to the cross because of me. It was my sin that put him there. And um, um, let me ask you this, uh, Bill, what do, you, what do you think of when you think of that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Mel, Mel Gibson's movie, right? Do you, did you see it when it first came out? I did. Yeah, I did too. Um, in fact, I went to a private screening with a few pastors, and uh, Mel Gibson was there to talk about the oh, movie. Wow. But um, it was pretty amazing. And I know they've done several re-releases, and I think some of the, um, you know, the gore, they softened, which is unfortunate, really, because one of my friends who was a technical advisor, Gary Habermas, said, you know, that the beating and all of the gore, as hard as it might have been to see, was actually pretty accurate. Um, and it pro- in reality, it would have been worse. But here's the thing. There's this, the, you can see the nails being driven into Jesus's hand. And th- those are Mel Gibson's hands driving the nails in the film. You can't see him, but you can see the hands. Mm-hmm. You think it's a Roman soldier. Mel Gibson said he personally did that because it was his sin that put Christ on the cross. Oh, wow. Much like the Stott quote, he was there because of us. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We're talking about theologians from the past and some of their incredible, profound wisdom today. We're talking about Dr. John Stott, who passed away in 2011, and he was a, a minister of the, in the UK for most of his life. But we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with Alex. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest, and we are uh, chatting about theologians from the past. We've gone on to be with the Lord. Today we're talking about Dr. John Stott, who I met uh, probably 30 years ago, and it was really Mm. a thrill to meet him. But Alex, let me run this one by you. At the cross, in holy love, God, through Christ, paid the full penalty of our disobedience himself. 
He bore the judgment we deserve in order to bring us the forgiveness we do not deserve. On the cross, divine mercy and justice were equally expressed and eternally reconciled. God's holy love was satisfied. Mm. Profound. I think so, too. Uh, You know, it reminds me of that song, you know, that we sing at Easter or maybe when we have communion, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, uh, because it really is. I mean, folks, if you think about what God did to make our salvation possible, and here's Jesus, the sinless, righteous Son of God, but God incarnate, the eternal God embodied here on earth. And he was qualified and he was willing to go to the cross. Jesus is nailed to the cross and the appropriate measure of God's wrath that I deserved for my sin and uh, for everybody's sin is poured onto Jesus. I was reading in one commentary, Bill, the uh, because God is holy and yes, God is love and God is merciful and whosoever will may come. But um, God couldn't and wouldn't compromise his own holiness because he would cease to be God. And the, the wrath, the punishment, the judgment, the fury of a holy heaven was poured onto Jesus. And he endured that out of love for us. And the love of God was manifested. The grace is extended to humanity. But yet the holiness and righteousness of God was in no way compromised. Mm-hmm. It, it really is um, an, amazing, an amazing work that God undertook. And again, without compromising his sovereignty or his righteousness, without compromising our freedom or sweeping anything under the rug, God made salvation for the human race possible. Now, us putting our trust in Jesus... That's what makes salvation actual. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to everybody listening, um, maybe you're aware of Jesus and you know God loves you, and that's wonderful. But it's not just a passively automatic thing. Merely because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean you're automatically going to heaven. You have to put your faith in Jesus, and you have to say, yes, Lord, I believe, uh, because uh, salvation is a personal thing. And Bill, like. I would just throw that out there if there's anybody listening and you're you're wondering, am I really born again? Well, today you can make sure and, and you can call on Jesus. And he has promised, and we could give so many verses, but Jesus said in John six thirty seven, the one who comes to me, I will not reject. And so, um, you know, it, it is endlessly complex to think about, but yet it is very simple. God loves you. Put your faith in Jesus and you'll be forgiven. It's the most beautiful thing in the world, isn't it, Bill? Uh, it is. And you always deliver the goods for me, Alex. I just love that. Thank you for doing that. I'm excited about Jesus. I know you are. <laughs> I know. All right, how about this one? This will be a little convicting. Sin and the child of God are incompatible. They may occasionally meet. They cannot live together in harmony. Oh, wow. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Th- exactly. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know... Um, I've shared this before, but um, Augustine, you know, apparently St. Augustine was a party boy before he was converted, you know. I did hear that. Yeah, he, uh, I think, had been wealthy, you know, and everything, but he's like going down a street, and apparently from a a darkened doorway of a brothel, you know, one of his former 
associates, a, a woman called out, said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And he said, yes, but it is no longer I, because he was changed. Mm-hmm. And Stott is right. You know, sin and the Christian can't live under the same roof, can they? No, they cannot. Shouldn't, anyway. Mm-hmm. And I love this when it comes to doing radio, because you do a lot of it, Alex, and you do a lot of speaking and presenting and, and uh, evangelism, discipleship. John Stott said, what we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, but more power from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That That's amazing. Um, and, you know, you got to understand, folks, Stott came about in the mid-20th century, and uh, did you say he died in 2011? 2011. Mm-hmm. 2011. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of backstory that's really important to understand if you've ever wondered, like, wh- why in America and Europe, the West, you know, Britain 125 years ago was just white hot on fire for the gospel. And, you know, while really for the majority of the 20th century, America was the great engine for world missions. But in the 19th century, it was Britain for sure. But what happened? Well, what happened was, you know, in the aftermath of Charles Darwin in 1859, The Origin of the Species, um, evolution really began to infect academics. And people said, oh, life evolved. Well, maybe, maybe morals evolved. Maybe religion evolved. And rather than being revealed by God, religion just was developed by man. Now, this really unbelief and, you know, God doesn't exist, the Bible isn't the Word of God, took a few more decades for it to reach American shores, but Stott came about in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when people, you know, were saying, hey, we don't need eloquence and oratory, we need power from the Holy Spirit. Where had that power gone? Well, in many a seminary, graduate school, and formerly Christian college, Bill, as you probably know, the power and the zeal and the confidence had had left because we we ceased to be confident about the Word of God. Now, I say that because let me just, and you and I, we've done radio on this. We could do it again. I am more convinced than ever that the Bible is, yes, indeed, the Word of God and compelling lines of evidence. I was just reading, Bill, just earlier today because I'm working on an, an outline of the book of First Peter, the incredible, incredible archaeological evidence, historical evidence, manuscripts that have come to light, um, just things that go back to within months after the time of Christ. More than ever, we have the compelling lines of evidence proving the authenticity of Scripture, the authenticity of what we know about Jesus. We've got every reason to be bold, to be confident, and we've got every reason to minister and share in the power of the Holy Spirit, because as we've always known, but now more than ever we know, God's Word is truth. Mm-hmm. And Stott also said the gospel is not preached if Christ is not preached. Amen to that. Amen. Yeah, I love this comment too, Alex. He said, here's how to determine God's will for your life. Go wherever your gifts will be exploited the most. Wow. <laughs> that That's really good. I love that, yeah. That that is good, you know. I, I've heard um, because to you know to everybody listening, you know, God has a plan for how He wants to use you for your good and His glory. 
And obviously, step one, as we said earlier, to know that you're saved. I mean, the most important and most basic step on your journey with the Lord is to know that you have Jesus Christ in your life. But as a believer, you know, I heard somebody once say, find out where your deepest desire intersects with the world's deepest need. And chances are, you know, the the skills, the aptitudes, the strengths you have, the gifts you've got, the Lord put them there. Uh, for those to be used. God God is, for instance, Bill, I'll never be on the finance committee at a church because <laughs> I'm terrible in math. Mm-hmm. And uh, myself and math, on, on my best day, I could barely be adequate. But then there are other areas where you somebody might be excellent. And so, um, look, know your gifts. And, and maybe if you don't know what your areas of spiritual giftedness are, pray about that. Mm-hmm. Because I think God wants everybody to know their strengths and to use those things for growth and for the gospel. I agree. So, Alex, we'll do this again in two weeks. Do you want me to pick our next theologian, or do you want to pick one? Uh, hey, good. Let me let me dig into the library and... Okay. Uh, and I'll surprise you. How about I, that? I love that. Yeah. So right. I'll look forward to that. Thank you Deal. so much for doing the show. God bless you, my God dear God bless friend. you. God Alex, bless you. Alex McFarland has been my guest. His website is alexmcfarland.com. He's written over 20 books, and he's got a, a whole bunch of resources at alexmcfarland.com. Go check it out. We'll take a break, and we come back. My friend and Bible teacher and mentor, Jeff Verdorn, is right here in studio with me. I can hardly wait. We're going to talk about being an ambassador for Christ. You're not going to want to miss a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.